episode 1063 and it's the relevant podcast here in orlando i'm your host cameron strang and joining me from loverland virginia it's jesse carey hello hello from nashville tennessee our very own downtown emily brown hey y'all and just down the road from her in nashville back we missed him last couple last four episodes i think uh back from his uh listening tour Briefly, I guess he's going to go back out on the road soon. Rapper, mogul, producer, Derek Miner. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, man, don't be adding no more dates. We done with the listening tour. That is. Oh, I thought with. you had two more. Uh-uh, oh, I thought you had... oh, okay. <laughs> we are okay. done. Well, good. Hey, I'm, 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 I'm back, baby. I'm back. I missed you. I got to connect with some of my relevant friends out there on the road, too. So some some of the listeners. It- how how is that experience for you? Because I always feel like I'm I'm I'm, I'm very disappointing when they when they have the opportunity. <laughs> I can see I can see a faint disappointment in their eyes. You know what I mean? Like it's they why because they want you to be funny. Like tell me a joke, make me laugh, like yeah, that kind of thing. I, I, honestly, honestly, I don't know, and that's what's so disturbing about this. It's like you ever you know it's it's like when you uh, take your kid to go see like I don't know like monster trucks when they're a little kid they're they run it up there and then they see like these kind of look junky up close right. like this is just a bunch of yep, like dirty yep, yep, like yep, motor yep. parts yeah, yeah. tubes and and, and and you know they barely work half the time and right. you know they, they mostly have like the hoods ripped off it doesn't look like the toys that they're used to playing with that's how i <laughs> it's like you know, the Matchbox car version of you seems so much more interesting and fun. Derek, is what is your experience meeting pod fans out on the road? Oh, it's it's the exact opposite. They're like, oh my God, I just had no clue how dope you were in person, man. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is amazing. So it's the, it's the opposite for me, for you sure. Know, I get that. I get that. <laughs> Speaking of connecting, I mean, with relevant, yeah. connecting with relevant friends, being dope in person, I have a question for the people on this podcast not named Derek yeah. Miner. If you... If you were oh my if you were in this in a state near one of us, a oh good friend, like you're nearby, but not not directly in our city, <laughs> oh and your God. friend who was in the state said, "You know what? You're going to be two hour drive for me, but I love you so much. Like, let's go meet up. I will drive two hours to meet you at a Cracker Barrel, and like give you my entire Sunday just to see you mm-hmm. and have a meal with you." If you had a friend that was willing to do that, would you decide to sleep in and blow off lunch with that friend? Or would you make sure to meet up with that friend and have the lunch? The friend can can I be hours? honest with you? I was in this yeah. exact scenario a few weeks ago. Well, Please that tell mor- me. Do you remember that morning that I potted like at five o'clock in the morning from a, a hotel room in LA? Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I left there immediately and went to something uh, uh, like a like a production was there till late in the evening, but I had uh-huh. a friend in LA who really mm-hmm. wanted to grab dinner and I almost mm-hmm. bailed because I had been working at that point for probably 15 hours straight, you know, Man. starting with the pod. Man. You know what I did? Put on, I put on something called the rally cap <laughs> and I went out there. What is the rally cap? What is that? It means when you're, Baseball it means reference. bottom of the, yeah, it's, it's the bottom of the ninth inning. Your body might oh, okay. be feeling like you're down by a couple runs, but you turn that ball cap inside out and you and you rally. <laughs> you 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 splash them on your face. You go meet your buddy, and it was a delightful. Listen, y'all. Well. Delightful. Listen, y'all. Yes, yes. By this time, I had been from New York all the way down to Cape mm-hmm. Coral, Florida, and we are on. Let's see, eleven straight days mm-hmm. of events. Listen, Cameron, I love you. <laughs> But it there was they may not have gotten me. That's where I was gonna sleep in and just stay at home. They may not have gotten me. I I just was like, I was look, man, being on the road in your latter, you know, artist years is way different than your twenties. So I'm like, I got all these plans. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna come do this, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. I ain't do nothing. When I'm on the road, when if I'm on the road for like two days and I'm not yeah. performing, I'm just like, you know, doing you know, traveling. It, my rule is every day I'm on the road takes three days of recovery back home. Just to feel oh. like that. 
This is where we are in life, guys. I mean, that's and, how and I'm at. Life. That's how I am with this podcast. We do an hour of recording. I need a four hour nap. That's it. It's a one yeah. to four ratio, you know, right afterwards. Man, look, I'm trying I to tell y'all. Look, so I, I apologize. <laughs> and I mean, you telling me to get up two, three hours early. I got a mm-hmm. four hour drive. To meet you, I mean, you had to eat. Why, you had, why did we have to meet? Because man? listen, this <laughs> is the truth. Somewhere else. No, no, no. Think about Maybe. it. Think about it. He's driving up the Air East question. Coast from West Palm to Jacksonville. East Coast, straight up. I'm in the middle of the state, so uh, I got to right. find the interstate that intersects with his interstate. Perfect T. Sure. Draw a diameter around those two interstates. What you? What do you have? You have. Right. Truck stops and Cracker Barrels. Cracker That's barrels. it. And I was like, I want to keep him on 95. I'm not going to make him go to a cool spot. Keep him on his journey. I just want to hug his neck, have lunch. Nope. Cameron, you left out You left out a critical detail. What? What was the that? critical detail is I'm literally going to see you at the end of the month. Yeah, I like, know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. For, for, like, for like a week. I, mean, I was right, thinking so, the same thing. So we just, left, you just literally thing. left that one out. But, you know, it's totally fine. <laughs> It's totally fine. I'm just curious. If it, I'm just curious what they would do. That out. Uh, right, no, was, exactly. Yeah. Do not edit it out. I'm gonna bring it up after every segment. <laughs> but we have a great show in store for you. Uh, you know who's on is an old friend of the show. He's been on our cover as many times as anybody else. Uh, I cover the magazine. John Foreman, Switchfoot is on the show. He's such a good friend of Relevant that if Relevant was about a two hour drive from him, he would come meet up with us. And have lunch or cracker roll. I I assume. Pretty certain he has done that. Like well, in the, hey, in the you old know what? Pod days. Here's how not picky John Foreman is. Mm-hmm. We had lunch at TGI Fridays one time because he was in the area. Mm-hmm. TGI Fridays ain't much better. <laughs> Look anyway. Hmm. Shut up. John Foreman's coming up at the end of the show. We have your feedback, but stay tuned. Right now, up next, it's relevant buzz. Listening to Muna. The song is One That Got Away. I have more than one. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for Relevant Buzz. Okay, tell us what's happening this week at the intersection of faith and culture, Emily. Um, Okay, the first thing I want to talk about is some unintentional drama that came up with Chandler Moore recently. Um, So who's Chandler Chandler Moore Moore with with Maverick City Music is one of the worship leaders. Um, And he recently posted an Instagram video basically explaining that he wants to create music that reaches a wider audience and kind of speaks to just a bunch of different issues in life. Um, And so, quote, he said, I think it's cool that we believe in a Bible life manual that covers everything from relationships and sex to spirituality and prophecy. It shows us that though life is multidimensional, it should still be centered around Christ. I'm on a mission to produce and create more music from that perspective, music that the world can sing along to. And while they're singing it, God uses it to sneak into the heart of the listener to do what he wants. Music that I can sing about my love for my wife, the same love that glorifies God. I want music about life and love that has a perspective that is safe for my kids who love God to listen to. It's a new era for Christian music. Some have already caught the wave and I'm about to make a big splash. 
Um, so he makes this video really excited to, um, he wants to do his song of Solomon phase is what you're saying. He wants to get into some R and B, not gospel. I got you. Yeah. Um, and his fans were not thrilled about it. Oh no. Uh, a lot of the comments were really cautioning against this. I already knew what was going to happen as soon as you started it. I'm like, (laughs) we've seen it. I've seen this movie like a billion times. I already know the outcome. Yeah. I mean, it, I was a little shocked um, just at how many people were so against it. Um, A lot of people just said, you know, it's a slippery slope. They feel like um, this is just getting outside of what he's been called to do. And we're just really cautioning against it. Um, And it it was shocking because, you know, I don't think Chandler's wrong. I think he's right that we should have music that speaks to all these different areas of life. Um, But yeah, his fans, some were some were excited about it, but. If you look at those Instagram comments, it is. You don't me- you don't mess with the the Christian music fans, the the worship fans, the gospel music fans. There, it is boundaries. Like you are in our lane or you're in the secular lane. That's it. You don't jump back and forth. You know. But but don't, but don't you think too? Like prior to the era of social media, this wouldn't even been a thing. Like it, it's. It, do you think like may- maybe I'm overanalyzing this? Maybe there's a lot of factors here. But the ability for people to comment and, and express their momentary concern basically kind of is self-fulfilling that they're going to have momentary concerns. Like if it was like it, it, in the era before social media, if an artist were announced something like this and people, you know, might their instant reaction would be like, oh, I don't know. But then they actually give it time to reflect and listen to, uh, listen to the music. I, 90s, I don't know. It just man. seems like. Fred, uh, Fred Hammond, Fred Hammond put out a, a R&B album or like a, a love album. T.D. Jakes had a love album. They they and the yeah, same, but T.D. Jakes T.D. Jakes's love album was like straight literal song of Solomon, and he's like, "I want to climb your palm tree and grab your coconuts, baby," and all that kind of stuff. I'm uncomfortable. What? That's what it said. That's what he said. It was gr- it was weird. It was weird. No, I still don't want to hear it. What? And which which brings me to my point. <laughs> Just in branding in general, people want, they don't want crossover. I They want their gospel music to stay gospel. They want the same R&B music that Chandler would make. It's okay as long as somebody that they go to makes that, right? So that's mm-hmm. the problem. When you start crossing over the stuff, like when it's like, I come to you for gospel, but you give me something else. That's that. And it's really just general psychology of humans. But Christians is worse because many Christians use Christian music as escapism. It's their ability Mm -hmm. to escape from the world. Right. So when you start bringing in Mm -hmm. concepts that they deem is the world, now you are messing up their escapism. Right. So now, you know, I'm struggling with whatever. Right. And and a lot of it's just immaturity. It's not even it's not it's not a reality because the reality is y'all are listening to this music anyway. You just yeah, don't exactly. like the fact that this guy is making the music, right? So a lot of it is just is that. So Christian music is that's why I'm not a big fan of the the Christian music title. I'm not a fan of how Christian music is all lumped together based around an idea of faith as opposed to genre. Or whatever, like I, it, it bothers me. This is the only music genre that that you can have a playlist with rap, rock, country, pop, all on one, and it's all glued together by the message. No other place is at a reality, and it creates things like this. So when someone says, "Hey, I'm a person of faith, but I like to write songs about my wife," I'm tired of writing the same song about Jesus over different beats, right? So that person does that, and then now everyone is upset. Uh, but it's the problem with niching down. It's another, and it's a reason why you have less and less people that are like, "I want to make Christian music," because mm-hmm. people are seeing and they're like, you know, if I write one song about Jesus. You expect me to write 300 songs about Jesus and maybe I want to have a more diverse array of things I talk about, even from a Christian perspective. So, I actually have an idea here, you know, and this is a pretty innovative thing. If one of they just write the same song and switch out the name Jesus for baby girl or whatever, with, you know, because that's what in the, in the 90s, a lot of artists could do that. Period. Where I'm lost without you. I'm desperate <laughs> for you. I need your love. I need your like. You could have easily marketed. I want to grab your uh, coconuts. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. What? It's Song of Solomon. I'm quoting scripture. I know. 
I get it. And like, <laughs> I have to make my peace with Song of Solomon, but it's not one that I reread that often. It's a beautiful so. metaphor for <laughs> the bride of Christ. I know. Okay. It's also a beautiful metaphor. It's also a beautiful relationship between a man and a woman. Like I, right. Like I hate that yeah. Christians are so like I say this on too because I got a I got a song on my album called Wait that's coming out, and I said Christians are great about telling people how to avoid lust, but they're awful at telling people how to chase love, and that's and that's a shame. All the songs are always like. I remember Christian rap went through a phase where every girl was a Jezebel and the reason that they, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like the reason that the world was messed up is because girls was tempting men. It's like, no, bro, it's because you don't know how to look at women outside of your uh, your doggone consumerism context, right? So that's why we need songs like what Chandler Moore is saying. That's like, yo, I want to listen to a song that's about love that's not about the that's not done in the most lustful pornographic way you know what i'm saying that actually talks about love and not lust like we need what he's doing but a lot of people are in such a different phase in their faith that i'm like man but hey a channel i'm gonna listen to it i don't care what nobody else i'm listening to it. You but I, I think your i think your point is interesting too about the branding part of it where it's like mm -hmm. we're cool with like we know that sierra is a strong christian now mm -hmm. and we're cool with her still putting out her R&B music because yep. uh, we know that we know her, we know her worldview and we can hear the faith peppered in the secular music. Mm -hmm. We're cool with Tori Kelly, mm -hmm. who's a strong Christian putting out some gospel stuff, but also mainstream stuff. But it's the fact that Chris Chandler came up as a worship leader. Mm -hmm. People are questioning his mm -hmm. calling now mm -hmm. and compromising his calling and stuff. That's interesting. And yeah, but but I mean hypocritical. But but I mean like American Idol's been a funnel for this for a long time of like people who their pretty much only musical experience or primary is like worship leading or doing this or that, but they go on a show and cover pop songs and you know, it doesn't seem that problematic, you know. Yeah. I guess it's maybe just kind of the the marketing end. I don't know. I don't right. you know. I I it, it it's just confusing why people even care, you know. <laughs> it's the True. definition of Christian music, in my opinion. It's the fact that you have people that are like, I come to this music solely for it's a good thing, too. It's a it's the pros and cons of it. I'm not saying this is bad, but it's like people that are like, I come to this music solely for spiritual reasons. I don't want to I don't want to know what God has to say about anything in the physical. Just talk to me about spiritual things. Right. So the moment that you say, OK, cool, I don't want to just talk about spiritual things now. Now I want to talk about things that are just normal life. I want to write a song about how much I like my car. They're like, no, you only deal in spiritual and metaphysical things. Do not deal in anything other than that. I think Cameron brought up like an interesting point that it seems like um, secular artists, they're able to sort of jump in and out of Christian music easier than a mm -hmm. worship artist is like. Like, like, you know, or Jesse, you mentioned American Idol, like Carrie Underwood, one of her first right. biggest songs was Jesus Take mm -hmm. the Wheel. But it's like no one considers her like a Christian worship artist, but she's she can sing a Christian song every now yeah, and yeah, then. Yeah, because she's an outspoken an album. Christian. I mean, she talks yeah. about that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And like you said, like Tori Kelly, Justin Bieber, like he did like that whole little gospel album that he did, like, but he's still very much a pop artist. But with Chandler, he can't. Or it feels like he doesn't have the space to pop in and out of worship and then not even secular. Like he even said, like he still wants to give like a it, like sing about this stuff from a Christian perspective, but just things of this world. And it, it is interesting that, like you said, Christian artists are boxed in in a way that secular. But artists I think aren't. it's even more unique now that he's a worship artist. Because mm -hmm. like, I think people see worship artists almost as in a ministry role. Because mm -hmm. think about it, where do they perform? In mm -hmm. a service context, yeah. in a spiritual on environment, yeah. on stage. So they view them right. almost like their pastor. So it mm -hmm. almost be like your pastor going out and doing other content. A lot of people criticize like, Erwin McManus at, at Mosaic in LA. He's a pastor, but he doesn't call himself a pastor. He calls himself a communicator or something like that. And he has a fashion line and he talks about you know, like business stuff and innovation and creativity and things. And people are like, no, we don't want that content from you. We want you to just be a pastor and talk about the Bible. And he's like, you were not going to box me in. Like Erwin McManus mm -hmm. has been fighting this fight from the pulpit standpoint for 20 years, mm -hmm. you know, which is interesting to see now 
maybe that's what's going on with Chandler is that it's like they view him as a minister of the gospel, you know, as opposed to just a yeah. performer. You know? And I feel like that's a problem in the sense that the Bible isn't all about metaphysical things that you can't touch. It's about relationships with one another. Yeah. It's about business. Like when you look in the Old Testament, there's a law that says if someone were to steal from you, you're to give them the money back plus 20%. Like that's not a spiritual thing. That's not a worship thing. That's an actual practical practical thing on how you treat your neighbor, right? So the Bible does talk about business. It does talk about love. It does talk about justice and relationship things. And the fact that we have, um, boiled it down to just being about how many different ways can we say Jesus? Like, I think that's why we have a lot of immature Christians that when situations in real life come up, they have no clue how to handle them. I wish my yeah. pastor was saying, Hey, this, how you, this, how you run a business ethically from the scriptures. This, mm-hmm. how you run, this, how you like marriages are struggling in the church because we're too afraid to talk about love life and things like that in the church. That's why marriages are struggling in the church. Cause it's like, Hey, I know y'all are struggling, but I got to make sure I get my Jesus per minutes in this sermon. In right. I don't, I don't think that's the way it should be in my opinion. Yeah. I think it's good. Interesting. Oh, by the way, Chandler's uh, first R&B album is going to be titled coconuts, tentative title coconuts. I heard. So I love that. I love that title. Yeah. I love good that for title. Him. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, what else do you have in here? Um, <laughs> Great brandy. Uh, the second thing I want to talk about uh, is actually, it's going to hit a little close to home for Derek and I. Um, a group of prominent Southern Baptist convention leaders and pastors in Tennessee recently signed a letter endorsing a gun control proposal that was brought about by the Tennessee governor, Bill Lee. Um, so last month, there was obviously the very tragic school shooting mm-hmm. here in Nashville. Um, and following it, uh, the Bill Lee, uh, a Republican governor, uh, he brought forth this proposal known as an order of protection um, to strengthen uh, gun protection laws. And it specifically would remove individuals who pose a threat to themselves or society from access to firearms. Um, and so he took this step forward um, in a Republican state as a Republican governor. Um, and there was a group of very prominent pastors who signed a letter supporting it, saying that they also want to see this action um, and just sharing that they wanted to protect their congregants, protect the children. Um, and I just want to bring this up because I really want to commend them for this. Um it, it's hard to bring up gun control laws in a Republican state. And um, I just really commend them that they're they're doing something rather than doing nothing. Well, they're saying something. The problem is the Tennessee legislature said that the governor's uh, proposal was a non-starter and they're not even going to consider it. But at least a Republican governor stuck his neck out and said, hey, for the good of society, maybe we should find some middle ground to protect people from innocent lives being taken because crazy people are buying guns legally and we should probably strengthen our background checks and well, red flags and stuff, you know? So, well, well not only that, I mean, it's, I think it's somewhat encouraging. I mean, to at least see like a major, especially kind of a traditional institution, like the Southern Baptist convention, yeah. break, mm. uh, not break just on partisan lines, like right. to, 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 to have some sort of like nuanced and value informed perspective exactly on a political and social issue. Like, Listen, we could unpack the the nuances of uh, you know gun legislation for a long time, and, and there's probably there's a lot of really educated voices that can do that. But I, I think the the subtext is almost as encouraging or interesting than the text, which is you have you know in an era of increasingly partisan like you, you know it, it's all or all or nothing partisanship right. like has infected a right. lot of major religious right. institutions. To, to just see, you know, some nuance here, I, I think is is encouraging because, w- w- look, we've all witnessed firsthand what blind allegiance to one political party, you know, for, for the sake of, you know, quote unquote, the greater good or, or whatever or, or, or whatever kind of, you know, uh, uh, like, you know, rational fallacy is, is often introduced. You know, uh, I think it's it, it is encouraging to see at least a degree of nuance here with with how they're handling this. Mm-hmm. When Lee announced that um, he would be that when he introduced this proposal, um, he spoke at a press conference, and uh, I really appreciate what he said. Um, 
He said, this is a moment in time where people can come together and get something done. When there is a clear need for action, I think that we have an obligation. And I certainly do want to remind people that we should set aside politics and prod and accomplish something that the people of Tennessee want us to get accomplished. Mm. And so to your point, Jesse, I, you know, I, it is encouraging to see these big political leaders saying, I'm not going to stay along party lines. Like we have to set that aside to really get something accomplished. Um, and again, yeah, that's why it, it stood out to us. We well, and the, all about unity, the fact that so. all these Baptist pastors in Tennessee supported it, when you consider mm-hmm. the conservative political position of the SBC and those churches, this goes against a lot of what their parishioners, you know, would be right. advocating for. So it's like, it's a risk for these pastors to also stand up for, you know, common good as well. And um, we just, it stood out to us. Unfortunately, the Tennessee legislator said it's a non-starter and it will not happen, but whatever. Yeah. Wow. At least the conversation's happening. But even even that wrinkle in it, right? Like the, the church introducing what nuance can look like is mirroring what is what their job should be. We're going right. to mirror what, you know, uh, uh, like productive conversation looks like and not have non-starters, right? Like to, to, to be able to, to have conversations and, and at least give people a good faith approach. Okay, let me hear why you think this, because that was really, that was Paul's methodology, right? Like, you know, he would, he would actively engage in conversations with people he didn't agree with in, in a good faith way, not to condemn them, but to, to understand where they're coming from and kind of introduce his ideas and not just shut things down. I know that's a very extended metaphor for what's happening here, but I do think that that juxtaposition of shutting down a conversation before it starts, seeing a different path, I think is encouraging and seeing that path cut by a traditional institution that's not really known for that, I think is an encouraging step. So yeah, I know that's, again, kind of a stretch metaphor, but it, it is kind of what I think is kind of the most newsworthy part of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. What's the last thing you have? Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is Mac DeMarco, who is a really cool indie musician that we really love. Uh, he recently dropped. I enjoy him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he recently dropped Enjoyable a artist. new album called One Wayne G, and there are 199 tracks on it. 199. It. So these are all. These are. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Over, these are over all eight hours. Songs. Um, eight hours. I love yeah. it. Run it up. You could put this on for a full work day and never repeat a song. Run it up. Um. We do have uh, a track here. I was curious. I was curious what what Derek would think about this. This is great. All right, yeah, play the track. Sorry. She want the sandwich, baby. She want the sandwich, baby. Lettuce and tomato, baby. With mayo on a roll. Did you say she wants a sandwich? <laughs> We're not going to play that clip on, on the show. Just, it's a song called, no, play that clip on the show. <laughs> she wants a sandwich? I think we were good with 12 tracks. <laughs> bruh, hey, look, bruh. Hey, bruh. I mean, I think there was a reason some of these were unreleased. This is the deal. This is basically... Him clean off his hard drive. This is all his demos, his unreleased yeah. stuff. It's eight hours of music, which his fans freaked out about. And it started this big online rumor that he's a huge artist with Gen Z, just FYI, if you don't, if you don't know Mac DeMarco. But, um, yeah. but his fans are freaking out going, this means he's retiring. Like he's released everything. He's done with music. And so he's had to like go on like, and like, no, I'm not retiring. I'm just giving you everything I've ever made, you know? So but. she wants a sandwich. <laughs> Make it with man, which no, I mean, it, it is. It, you <laughs> know. Hey, man, I quit. Right? I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not making no. I'm not making any more. Music okay, in the break coming up, ever. I'm going to play a better <laughs> Mac DeMarco song, so people don't think that that's the totality of his musical Guys, style. I'm retiring. I am officially full time on relevant podcast. We just made the decision today. Done. Full time relevant staff. That's what it is. Out here, dude. That that lyric was kind of like country bear jamboree. Like you know, just like hey, bro was off a pill when he made the that album. Is me. interesting. There are a lot of like <laughs> instrumental tracks, but he does obviously have a few where he is singing on it, and they. I mean this in the kindest way possible. I can see why they were unreleased. So. 
Yeah. That, that's, that's the thing from an artist standpoint, like to me, like, Less is more like there's a process mm. of creative, like, like evolution and refinement and whatever. And then you finally get, you've made something you may have, you may have to go through 10 drafts, but you finally get something that's good enough to put out there. We don't need to see your 10 rough drafts. Like to me, Here's like, I don't know what. Is the problem though, Cameron, we don't. live in a world where everybody wants content all the time. So people are just like, here, here's the content. Like, we have hit, all right, there was a point in time where I was like, streaming is phenomenal, but for the listener, because the listener gets the opportunity to hear a lot of artists they never would have heard, whatever. I think the scale is tipped now, because now the strategy for an artist to get paid is to put out more and more quality work. So now I think the listeners is inundated with a bunch of mid tracks that aren't really, you don't get the greatness that you desire, because one... If I take a year off to put out an album, say the album might be phenomenal, right? Take a year off, make this amazing piece of art. But when I come back, as soon as I drop it, first of all, the internet, people aren't even going to know that it dropped. You know what I'm saying? I might spend a, a three months promoting it and someone still would be like, I had no clue your album just came out. That's problem number one. Problem number two is the people that just heard it, they burnt through it in one listen and now they're like, okay, make another album with that level of quality and give it to me in a month, right? And it's just, that doesn't, it's not how creativity works. So we're just in a conundrum right now with the streaming content consumption uh, game. So what guys are doing, like NBA Youngboy puts out a full-length album almost every month. Every month, and yeah. And it's just, like, it's crazy that the level of, they call it consistency. I don't think it's consistency. I think it's just like, look, man, just put, throw a beat on, freestyle over it, throw it out, throw it out, throw it out, throw it out. Mm -hmm. And it's a numbers game now. Where it's almost like playing the lottery. It's like, if I just hit, if I just hit the same number over and over again, hopefully something to go viral and I'll be okay. So it, it's, a, it's a sucky position. It is. And it's like the, the music now is almost like to the consumer, it's like worthless because it's like, I don't have anything invested in this music. I didn't save up. I didn't anticipate it and wait for it and then savor it. No, it's just like, there's just a continual flood. I can't even keep up. So everything's yeah. disposable, you know? And it's like, I saw a stat that said 38 million songs were uploaded to the internet last year that got zero plays. Oh, God. They didn't even listen to their own song to see if it uploaded right. Like 38 million songs. You know what I'm saying? 38 million songs they with check. zero plays. They didn't even double check. They like, you know what, whatever. Nobody's going to listen. <laughs> That's but, crazy. I mean, to, to a certain extent, that this is happening across a lot of, of forms of media. You know? I mean, you you, you, you can talk to anyone and be like, hey, pot, pot, on, on the like UGC side, so like music has become UGC. Like I could go pluck out a song about sandwiches and upload it to Spotify if I want to. <laughs> or you know, any, with Mac DeMarco. Stupid sandwiches. Catch, Mac DeMarco really catching strays today, right? <laughs> right. Just because Emily and Jason chose the wrong clip to introduce you to his music with. No, no I think the right, the right clip. clip. Maybe he maybe, maybe, maybe right should have been it, in fairness to, to Emily and Jason, Mac Marco could have made the it 99 songs. You know, like it really could have. 100, like, 198. Yeah, it was 198. No, well, yeah. either way, like, but you see the same thing, but not just on UGC, like not just stuff yeah. that, but on, on streamer and streaming platforms where there's levels and levels of curation and budget, there's tons of shows and, and, and things that come out that almost no one watches, that a lot of talented people were highly compensated to produce. And it just gets lost in the shuffle because we're kind of all drinking from the same fire hose here. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's I think there'll be some degree of of self-correction, but it does seem like music has kind of gone back towards like like the mixtape thing where you're just kind of, yeah. you know, you're seeing what works, you know. The course correction is already happening with streaming. I mean, we've seen the consolidation. I yeah. mean, maybe maybe 
our listeners aren't as aware. Emily and I are in the weeds with this every day. We're watching it, but like, there's so much consolidation, so many shows getting canceled. It's like less is more <laughs> like the, the pendulum swung too far. It was all about content, put out a ton of yeah. content. And then they're like, no way we need to put out good content and only good content and cut the, cut the riffraff. But well, music is so different because somebody in there with a laptop can make an album and upload it. So it's like, you don't have to have the infrastructure that, television has to have and stuff so yeah. like music and mm -hmm. i don't know why there would ever be a course correction with music because anybody can be an artist now anybody can put music out now and yeah. so it's like there's no barrier of entry anymore and i don't think there ever well, will I, be because well, a lot of artists like post malone is post malone because he was a kid putting you know songs up on soundcloud or whatever you mm -hmm. know what i mean it, it just but the, the to derek's point like the discovery aspect it's really challenging right now because there it's just the it's it's hard to find stuff because it's so oversaturated, you know, on streaming yeah. platforms at least. For sure. Thirty eight right. million. Thirty eight million goose eggs. <laughs> well, hundred and ninety nine of them came from Mac DeMarco. And uh no, I guess we just listened to one of them. So Anyway, all right, that'll do it for Relevant Buzz. Follow us at relevantmagazine.com. Every weekday, we're recovering the intersection of faith, culture, life, justice, and uh, follow us on all the socials for the latest. All right, thanks, Emily. Stay tuned. Up next, Switchfoot joins us, like all of them. Don't miss it. Sorry, mama. Listening to Mac DeMarco. Uh, the song is freaking out the neighborhood. No, I'm not even saying this is the best Mac DeMarco song. It's just, I just wanted to show another one other than people eating sandwiches. So there you go. That's Mac DeMarco freaking out the neighborhood. Hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get. This podcast, ad-free, you get ad-free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives, our beautifully designed digital issue, and a little more. Uh, check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. Where our guest today is Switchfoot. Uh, they've been one of our favorite bands for two decades now, and they're actually celebrating the 20th anniversary of The Beautiful Letdown, their huge breakout album this year, uh, by re-recording the entire album. The band also just announced a fall anniversary tour. So we sat down with them to catch up on the last 20 years of Switchfoot. And what's next? Here's our conversation with none other than Switchfoot. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk with y'all because y'all are about to celebrate 20 years of the beautiful letdown. Um, does it feel like it's been 20 years? In some respects, no, but in others, it feels like a lifetime ago, you know? Um, it's wild how much has changed, you know, internally, and I look at the political landscape, I think of everything. I mean, 20 years. These uh, cell phones, you know, iPhones weren't around back then. Right. So it's, it's, you think about the way that we used to live life 20 years ago. And Before yeah. electricity. <laughs> yeah, back, back in the Stone Age. That's right. We used to talk to rocks instead of uh, loans, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I would say mostly it does not feel like it's been 20 years. Uh, what do you, you mentioned that like a lot of things have changed. What do you think has been the biggest change for you maybe personally and as an artist over the last 20 years. Hmm. So I'm, I'm putting myself back in the creation of this album. And um, I'm, remi I'm reminded of, so right before the record came out, we 
We're so excited about this album, and we played a showcase for our label, this you know big label that we had been signed to that we're so excited about. And they uh, walk out of our set halfway through, actually right in the middle of Dare You To Move, and the head of the label says, I don't hear any hits, expletive, expletive, expletive. Why did you sign this? We're dropping them. So that, you know, that is, uh, that was the beginning of this album for us. And I feel like I'm so thankful even for that moment, because I feel like out of that moment of rejection, we had to come together and decide, you know, do we believe in these songs or not? And that was an invaluable lesson that has stuck with me from, from then till now. That's that's got to be exciting too to like sort of revisit a lot of the songs that you maybe haven't sung in like 20 years as you've been on tour. I know there's some that you sing, um, you still sing often, but um, have you like as you've been like preparing for this, have you revisited a lot of those songs and um, like what have you felt when you've been like thinking about them again? Mm, that's a great question. We have revisited this album. Um, we um, to kind of celebrate the record. We, we, were, we were just kind of unpacking all these old versions of the album. And uh, we thought to ourselves, what if we recreated this record? You know, not for the label that dropped us, but for us and for everyone who's been supporting us for years and years, you know? And so that's what we did. We re-recorded note for note the entire album. Um, and hopefully that helped us learn the songs for tour as well. <laughs> And with some little updates along the way too, you know, I mean, we've been, uh, take these songs have been taking us around the world, you know, for 20 years. And, um, there's, there's little updates that we've done here and there along the way that we were able to, to, you know, put into these versions and then also remember things that we lost along the way and get those back again. Um, I've never done anything like it. You know, we've made a lot of albums. We've done that for over 20 years as a band, but we've never made the same album twice. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was, it was a really nostalgic experience. Um, I think I learned a lot from uh, the, a version of myself 20 years ago, you know, and also it was cool to reflect on how much I've learned since then. It's a, it's a handshake, you know. You're always learning new things and you're always forgetting things. And this was a chance to marry the two. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice, like you said, for, for anyone that's been, that's faced some sort of setback. Um, you know, I don't know exactly how old everyone was. I know, Don, you mentioned you were 24 when the album was written. If you could go back in time and tell your 24-year-old self something, what would you want to tell them? Hmm. Don't be afraid. Hmm. You know, I think we're such strange creatures able to appreciate time the way we do um, understanding the past and the future and the ties from the past are often you know wonderful memories and memories that bring shame right and just to be use big brushes and then the future there's hopes and fears you know and I think so many times we are uh we become paralyzed to live in the moment by the shame of the past and the fears of the future. And and then a year goes by and you think, oh my gosh, I missed the year because I was paralyzed by these two things that exist only in my imagination. You know, the past did happen, but the shame that I have is, is me in my head. The fear that I have, it, you know, I can be afraid of all sorts of things that will never happen. So that'd be my advice is um, don't be so afraid. I think um, something that, that really resonates within the space of a young band, a young artist, but I think it extends beyond that, is the idea of do or die, make or break. Um, this is the most important thing, you know, whatever it is, that's the opportunity that's in front of you, the thing that you're supposed to say yes to. Um, you know, I think that, that that definitely extends outside of 
just being in a rock band. Um, and I think it's usually a lie, hmm. you know, that um, the, the real story, the important one that's being written is moving a lot slower. It's not the, the big up and downs. It's the, you know, the one that's hidden between those peaks and valleys that's kind of doing this. And it's a longer story. That's the good one. And that's the one to be focused on. I think the other thing that I've learned um, looking back is there are many metrics of success that are much more meaningful than numbers. And so many times in our digital age, you know, Spotify didn't exist back then, but you you had record sales, you had ticket sales, you, you have financial success. These are, I'm not saying that those don't exist, but I'm saying that they often, <clears throat> when when you look at the meaningful things that make life worth living, those metrics of success pale in comparison to the idea that the relationships we have and the moments and and the beauty of, of the present tense. You know, I think um, even as a musician, sometimes you can get lost. Um, you just created this thing of beauty but you're holding it to the standard of some number, some ima imagine digital number on a screen, and some somehow the beauty pales because this number wasn't as big as you wanted it to be. I mean, we all do that with whatever it is, but um, when I remind myself that that's a metric of success that that is um, no less real than beauty and and experience and and. Uh, you know, the present tense of relational living as humans. You know, I think that that would be my my other thing that I've learned over the course of the last 20 years. Don't let anyone else define what success looks like. You have to do that yourself. Was Switchfoot. All right, stay tuned. Up next, it's your feedback. Focus on your lines with golden souls. That's not alchemy. I'm bouncing and out to the boundaries without an amount of a doubt in me. Because what I do so profound, I know what goes around will come around when I count in my outer reach. Out to you from the ground to the mountain peak. I teach you to match what surrounds what we define. Where it derives. Who's a designer? We find a finer thing. When your mind is free, where it resides, why we getting wiser, we find the kind of things in what we define, where it derives, who's a designer, we find the kind of things, when your mind is free, wonder where it resides, why we getting wiser, we find the kind of things in life. You're listening to Neon the Wanderer. The song is Rag Jazz. It's Christian. Today's show is brought to you in part by The Chosen. Season four of The Chosen is coming to theaters nationwide on February 1st, and this season has everything. Clashing kingdoms, rival rulers, and when they're threatened by the reality of Jesus' growing influence, religious leaders do the unthinkable, choose to ally themselves with the Romans. As the seeds of betrayal are planted in opposition to Jesus' message turns violent, he's left with no alternative but to demand his followers rise up. So get ready, relevant podcast listeners. February 1st is the big release day. Go get your tickets now at thechosenriseup.com. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, uh, we got talking about road trips and stuff. Maybe it's because Derek was out on the road. I don't know. We got talking about Bucky's. We got talking about uh, the rest areas that have the grills for the families to have big elaborate picnics on the side of the interstate. Uh, we just got talking about road tripping. So we asked you, what's your craziest road trip story? You hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Here's a few of our favorites. Wow, this one from Anna is really, really a journey. Um, she was eight or nine. She was, uh, she had road trip with her meemaw to visit her aunt. First off, I just love the fact that she called her meemaw. Like that. Me okay. Meemaw what do y'all call your dead. grandmas? What do y'all call your grandmas? Do you have any weird names? Cause I'm from the South. We had some weird names. Granny. What do y'all? Granny. Mine were just grandma. All I had was granny. granny. Yeah, yeah. Mine was just grandma. Mine was big mama and big daddy. 
Like that's the southern. You called the matriarch of your family, Big Mama. Big Mama. Everybody did. Big hey, Mama. Hey, was she black? Like, no. <laughs> Dude, hey, they were Southern Southern. They had seven or eight kids and like she took care of everybody, you know, because they were pastors and Big stuff. Mama. So like after church, 50 people would come over. Big Mama did not know how to cook for under 20 people. She Everything she made, mm-hmm. whether it's a little meal of three people, she cooked for 20. Big Mama took care of everybody. Big Daddy. They were big too. He was like six four. She was like six foot. I mean, they're big personalities. It just fit. Okay. Everybody called her Big Mom Big Daddy. I feel like she needed to be in a Tyler Perry movie. Mm-hmm. Big Mama's <laughs> yeah. house. Um, Who uh, was the first person to call her Big Mama? It was like yeah, back in the fifties. Somebody. Did she slap I think him? Okay. Her her grandma was called Big Mama. So like from the twenties, oh, okay. and then I just got, got passed I down, got passed down. Okay. Yeah. My I'm mother like, did not continue the tradition. She is Nana to my son. <laughs> she didn't. My mom didn't okay. want to be called Big Mama for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know if it's her choice mm, to can't make. Can't imagine why. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's true. It's like it's like the kid. It's like you know, Poot in elementary school no longer wants to be called Poot. Well, tough mm-hmm. luck. If we're calling <laughs> tough you luck, Poot. 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 You're going to be 50 years old named Poot, dude. We all remember that time uh, in history class, how you got the nickname. And we're never going to let you forget. (laughs) Poot is always Poot. Yeah, Big Mom is always Big Mom. All right, go ahead. Sorry. So on the road with Meemaw. Oh, she's on the road with me, Mom, to visit Aunt. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna edit the end of this story because it's uh, it's a little gross. But uh, uh, long story short, <laughs> on the way, the car broke down in the back road hills of Virginia. Which, listen, I've driven those hills. It's desolate country. Soon after, <laughs> I really needed to use the restroom, so I went behind some bushes near an abandoned house. It turns out, though, the house was not abandoned because an old man came up to the window and started banging on it and screamed at me to go away. <laughs> Easy mistake to make. It also sounds like the setup for like a Netflix horror film, like one of those like cheap, cheap like you know. He doesn't. He's in the window, but he's just lightly tapping the glass. Just yeah, it's the opening it. scene of like one of those cheap ninety-minute little, you know horror movies that, that pop up in your in your queue but this is uh, great if you're in the back hills of virginia let me just advise you folks those houses are not abandoned they're not abandoned they just, <laughs> not, yeah. just look at they're not abandoned <laughs> oh my gosh that's, that's wild yeah. i was on a road trip one time with my mom when i was a kid and we had this older car and i was in the passenger seat and we were driving down the interstate and my feet started getting hot and I was like, mom, I was like five or six. And I was like, mom, my feet are hot. And she's like, shut up, you know, like stop mm-hmm. complaining. And no, mom, mom, my feet are hot. Like something's wrong. My feet are hot. She's like, nothing's wrong. You know, whatever. And we're in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden smoke starts coming out of the engine. We pull over the car, like catches on fire. There was a fire happening underneath my feet. So the car catches on fire. It's my mom and a little kid on the side of the road. I remember how being how like I was scared. We didn't know what to do. A trucker pulls over. This is the eighties. A trucker pulls over, offers us a ride. Can you imagine getting a a ride with a trucker today? No. No. And he took us down to the. Take my luck. Try my luck. Yeah, for real. We got in the cab with the trucker and just drove off. (laughs) Like he got us back to the closest town or whatever. But yeah. Your car caught on fire while you was driving it? Yeah, dude. We didn't have much money, so I don't know if they changed the oil. I don't know what they did, you know, but yeah, caught on fire. Jesse, do you remember the Relevant? I need to get my oil changed. Do you remember the Relevant? So we had, in the early days of Relevant, same thing. We had a van. I bought a used van because I'm frugal. And we painted it black and we put a big old relevant sign on the side and we had a big old trailer and we took a crew of interns around to all the music festivals and had Mm. a relevant booth, sold our stuff. This thing put on every summer, they would leave in May, come back in August. I mean, they were just on the road nonstop. And we ran that thing for several years in a row. And again, I bought it with like six figure miles on it. And they were leaving the last the last one up in the last festival up in Pennsylvania, I believe it was. And they were on starting the journey back to Florida end of the season. And they're just on the highway. And the story I was told was that a terrible noise happened. And then the pistons shot through the the hood of the van. It exploded. It and just take died. It 
The they just couldn't take anymore. It. And the van just gave up and died and they left it in Pennsylvania. Like we got them different transportation to get back to Florida. We just left it there. The thing here's pistons. Here's, so shot the, here's the, the moral of the story is, is if Cameron is in yeah. a vehicle, right? Just be ready to jump out at any time. And the even despite that, I was willing to drive two hours to have lunch with my friend on Sunday. <laughs> I, I will say that, that was God's providence. That was God's providence that I did. It's my protection. It's my protection. Anyone who had been in, protected me. Yeah. Anyone who had been in that relevant knew it was time. Knew it was well over time. On the outside, to Cameron's point, it looked like a cool, like murdered out. You know, it had the logo on there, all black. You know, rims, everything. It looked cool. The inside was like an abandoned uh, middle school locker room, and it smelled like it. Like it, it, it was. Did you like have to sign a waiver to get on the van? You would get in there and just, I mean, it, it was, it, it could be, it could be a brisk 70 degrees outside. For some reason, the interior of that van was upper, was sweltering all day, just upper <laughs> 90s. Time. I don't know. I, I think the black paint was just making it into an oven, but uh, no, no one was sad to see that thing go. And nobody, uh, it's the state of Georgia's problem at that point, because we just left it. Scraped off the VIN number, scraped off the VIN number, took the plates, not our problem. Scratched not off relevant problem. on the side. Not our problem. Yep. Anyway. All right. Well, there's more where that came from. Go check out uh, our replies over at Relevant Podcasts on Twitter. We are without the blue check. We don't have the blue check because we will not pay for the blue check well you ain't gonna pay for it why would i pay for it (laughs) let's make clarity (laughs) i'm still not sure what exactly you're paying for when you pay for it like the value proposition seems to be uh changing by the day but uh, i think you can edit and i think it favors your replies and it favors maybe your posts or something like you're you're paying for a blue check that's all you're paying for that's it yeah so yeah. anyway, okay. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. All right. Well, we're, we're going to do something different this time. See, I wanted to ask a traditional question of the week. I wanted to ask, tell us a time you blew off your friends. And no, but it didn't go over when we were talking off mic. It didn't go over. Well, I don't think anybody wanted those stories. So we're going to do something a little different this time. We are. Cameron we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> All right, so we were talking about secular music earlier, and we you got us thinking. We played a game on this podcast months and months and months ago. It was like it was a song lyric, and we the the cast had to guess whether it was a worship song or is a love song. Were, were they talking about Jesus or were they talking about romance? Um, and so we want to do that this way. We want you guys to send us your favorite lyrics of songs that could be confused to be secular or sacred you know, romance or talk, is this Jesus is my boyfriend or is this, you know, talking about my actual boyfriend, um, hit us up on Twitter. Just send us the lyric. Don't even tell us what the answer is. Like just send us the lyric and tell us the most confusing lyric that's stuck in your head from artists that you've uh, listened to over the years. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at relevant podcasts and we will try to guess them next week. Should be good. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Switchfoot for joining us. Make sure to catch them out on tour this fall and make sure to uh, check out the re-recording of the beautiful letdown. It's pretty cool that they're doing that. Um, a couple of notes. Uh, make sure if you haven't checked it out already, check out the spring issue of Relevant. Our digital issue is out now. Features a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan on the cover. We have Beth Moore, Colony House, Fits in the Tantrums, um, so much more. House Fires ton of stuff and it's all available for free just click on the magazine tab right there at relevantmagazine.com you can read everything there um, if you want the beautiful ad free enhanced edition uh, that's beautifully designed for your devices you can join relevant plus it's included with your subscription relevant plus also gives you unlimited ad free reading at relevantmagazine.com this podcast ad free an exclusive subscriber podcast each week um, and more to come this year plans start as low as 250 a month and it is the best way to experience our content. Um, make sure to check it out. You can find out all the information right there at relevantmagazine.com. Just click on the Relevant Plus tab at the top. I, I mentioned it back with Relevant Buzz, but you know, make sure to check out relevantmagazine.com every day. Uh, we are covering a ton of stuff. Our feed is active. Uh, published 7, 10, 12, 15 articles sometimes uh, every weekday covering the intersection of faith and culture, life and justice. Um, if you want to stay connected with our best content, you can sign up for our, our newsletter right there at the website. Uh, we send you our top five trending stories each weekday morning. It's a great way to keep your finger on the pulse. And also, obviously, follow us on all the socials. 
Okay, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Emily Brown. I'm Derek Miner, the best friend ever. We will see you on Tuesday, and I will see Derek in Montana in a few weeks. All right. Have a good weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. I put on something called the rally cap. Relevant Podcast Network.